Christmas, church. It is so good to be with you and even sing with you tonight about our Lord and uh, His coming to us, that we might be right with Him and have a relationship and know Him. In fact, all month long, uh, we have been looking at the portion in late Luke chapter 1, the Gospel of Luke, in the beginning of chapter 2, and we've been looking and seeing there that the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write the text to give an account of what took place at the birth of Jesus. And it's historical um, in its type, and it is factual, um, and it is basically Luke trying to give us the facts of what took place to show us he truly was the Son of God. And um, in this series, we've been looking at these four songs that are given in this very short time period. And um, why would God have that concentrated four songs in such a tight frame of Scripture all surrounding the birth of Jesus? And we've concluded that God wants His people for us as in a reflection of the coming of Christ into our world, that rejoicing celebration would erupt, erupt in our hearts, erupt in our world, that the songs would ring out, the lights would go up, and there would be celebration. Why? Because it is the most significant event that has ever happened in the world. The coming of the eternal Son of God in the flesh at Christmas. He was born to save us. He was born to reveal the Father to us. Um, and here He is. Uh, so God wants us to celebrate. He wants us to rejoice. And it's appropriate at Christmas for us to, to do that with great gladness. Tonight we're going to finish the series... Uh, Heaven and Nature Sing, and we're going to finish this series with Nunc Dementis, which is Latin for now you let depart. And it's a phrase by a great godly man named Simeon, and we're going to read about him and then listen to his song. Luke chapter 2, you can just follow along, the text will be on the screens. But Luke chapter 2 verse 25 says this, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. We see this word consolation, it's the same word for, you could also translate it comfort, and it comes from Isaiah chapter 40 where, uh, you know, in Handel's Messiah, the very first portion of that is comfort, comfort my people, Isaiah says, comfort my people. And um, it's the foretelling of the coming of Christ who would comfort, offer consolation to the nation of Israel. He would bring relief. Jesus is a relief bringer. And have you ever needed relief? Um, life can produce some long-term burdens, can it? Things that you carry that are heavy for a long time. Maybe it's pains in your life, situations, problems, circumstances that you know grieve your soul, and you just endure with it, endure with it, and you wait, and you wait and for, for maybe the hope of some type of relief to come in the situation and in your own heart. If you had to look into your life right now, and if you could get relief in one area, what would it be? Relief in one area. Well, for Simeon, there was one subject 
that he longed for to gain relief in, and that was relief for the people of Israel. Consolation for the people of Israel. For the promise of God to finally arrive. He longed for that more than anything else. In verse 26 he said, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon longed to see the day when God's long promise of thousands of years would come true. That God would bring forth a Messiah, a Savior. It's been promised over and over and over. He longs for it. He has waited for it. And God even let Simeon in on a little secret. He said, Simeon, you won't die before you actually put your eyes on the one who is to come. Now think about what a great promise that is from God to give you that. And Simeon longed for relief and it could only come from the relief that Christ himself would bring to the world. At Christmas time, kids, uh, y'all have presents wrapped under the tree right now, right? And maybe some of them with your name on them. Well, we do that at Christmas time. We put a tree and we put presents under there. And what do you have to do for like the whole month of December? You got to sit there and look at it, right? It's like, why am I sitting there looking at something that I can't wait to open? Well, that's a practice that was developed over the idea of the waiting aspect in the scriptures for the coming of the Messiah. You wait, you wait, and then the day comes and what? You open the gift. The gift is available to you. There's an idea in scripture that, of waiting. We wait for it and we long for his coming. We long for his coming and God gave his gift at the right time and that's to symbolize that. In prophetic form, God wrapped a gift for Israel, ultimately to the entire world, to you and me here today, and he put it under the tree for Israel to wait for hundreds of years, hundreds of years, and it finally came. Simeon was waiting. Simeon had a special revelation that he would actually put his eyes on the one who is to come. He would see it with his very eyes before he passed. I want you to think about this. God gave his promise, and over thousands of years, many people longed to see him. The Bible says they longed to see what will he look like? What would he do? What would he say? How would he do it? And they never got to see it. And Simeon is going to get to see it. See it with his very eyes. Verse 27. And he came in the spirit to the temple. So Simeon knows I'm going to see him. And he's led by the spirit. And he comes to the temple area. A big old area on top of a mountain. And, and when the parents brought the child to Jesus. Jesus had been born. And they were bringing him to do what the law called for. For a firstborn in the nation of Israel. To do for him according to the custom of the law. When God struck down all the firstborn in Egypt. Y'all know what else happened in that moment? God bought the rights to every firstborn in Israel. That they are mine. They're dedicated to me. Not just the livestock, but your first son is dedicated to me. And so it was a part and a custom of the law for the parents to take the child to the temple area and offer sacrifice to redeem their child back from the Lord. 
Um, and so the Lord owned the firstborn Israelite. And so they're in the temple area and they're doing this, what all Jews would do for a thousand years. And Simeon sees Jesus, this child, and he proclaims by the power of the Holy Spirit in verse 28, he took him up in his arms, blessed God and said, and I want you to listen to Simeon's song, but I don't want you to just listen to his song. I want you to join in his song. Sing with your heart with Simeon. Simeon says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. In other words, Simeon says, God, I can die in peace. The fulfillment of my whole life has come. I have seen him. I can die. And I can die in peace. Your promise to me personally is fulfilled. Your promise to Israel is fulfilled. Your promise to the world is fulfilled. And there he is. My life is satisfied. I can die in peace. I have seen your salvation. Look at verse 30. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Let me tell you what this means. I, I wrestled a lot with that. You have prepared in the presence of all peoples because it, it should kind of read, if I'm looking at it, it should read that you have revealed in the presence of all peoples. Um, but it doesn't say revealed. It says prepared. Um, and so that caused a little bit of a wrestle with me. And uh, basically here's what it, what it came down to. That all of Israel for a thousand years since God has made this promise, all of Israel has got, watched God work in the kitchen. And he's working in the kitchen. Y'all know what this is like at Christmas time, right guys? You smell it, you see them in there active, and then you're like, hey, when's the goods going to be ready, right? And you see them preparing, you see them preparing, and you wait for them to prepare, and then finally, man, we can dig in. Someone say that quick prayer. Let's go. And that's what he's saying here is that you, God has been preparing in Israel, preparing the world with the Roman Empire, with the Greek language, all of the things that the world needed. God has been preparing before all the peoples of the world, before all the peoples of Israel. He has been preparing salvation to come. And that is what he is, Simeon is saying. You have prepared in the presence of all peoples your salvation. And now it's here. In verse 32, he says this about Jesus. A light for revelation to the Gentiles... And for glory to your people, Israel. This person is going to bring light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to Israel. That word revelation um, is the Greek word apocalypsis. It's the, um, the word for unveiling. You know, like at a theater when the curtain pulls back, you're able to see what everything is behind the curtain. And you're able to see and, and be uh, impacted by what's behind the curtain. And, and what God is saying here is that God is now going to open the curtain to non-Jews in the world and let the glory of his gospel be put on display. And guess what the Gentile world is going to see? They're going to see the glory of God on display in the gospel and they are going to have something happen in their hearts. God is going to change them by the glory of his gospel. He is going to regenerate them, change them, and to 
invite them into his covenant of grace. And no longer is it for the Jew. Now he is opening it up. He's opening the curtain. He is proclaiming the gospel among the Gentiles, non-Jews, every language, nation, tribe, and people of the whole world can now hear the gospel and come into the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. And it's available. And he says he will bring a light for revelation to the Gentiles. God is going to reveal it to the Gentile and glory to the people of Israel. You know, I'm looking at, if I'm guessing right, mostly non-Jews in this room. Wherever you're from, wherever your heritage, it's probably not Jewish. And guess what? You, by sitting in this room, calling Jesus Lord, are a part of the fulfillment of God fulfilling what he told Simeon he would do. This very moment. You are a part of God's fulfillment on the earth. And then in 33, and his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So here we are now, back at the, back at the ranch in the moment here, right? Joseph and Mary have the child there, and they hear him just say an incredible thing. And they're affirmed in everything that they heard up to this point. Everything. And they're affirmed in all of this. And it's another affirmation from God into their life about their son. And then it says in verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, this is interesting, what Simeon said to the mother, He says, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It is determined by God that this child will have a rising and a falling effect. What does that mean? Mary, your son, will have such an effect that it will be that those who are with him will rise with him and that those who are against him will fall because of him. Everyone on the earth, in other words, Mary, will have to come to terms with your son. They will rise with him Or fall apart from him. That's who he is. Jesus even said this. This is not a popular Christmas verse. So please don't put this on your wall. Or on your tree. But think about it. Matthew 10.34. Jesus himself said. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace. But a sword. What does that mean? Isn't he the Prince of Peace? Hasn't he come? Isn't he our peace? What is Jesus saying? Exactly what Simeon was saying. All of human human beings have to deal with me. What do you do with Jesus? And there is going to be a dividing line on the earth of people who rise and people who fall. And it's all connected to what they do with Jesus. 
Everyone on the earth will have to come to grips with Jesus, is what Simeon says. Simeon was prophesying that concerning Jesus, and I want you to consider very quickly, apologetically, real fast, and then we'll get the candles, all right? This prophetic proclamation has actually played out on the earth over the last 2,000 years. See, we read this and go, yeah, it all sounds right. But when it was given, it was crazy that one person could have that kind of impact. Crazy. You know, we have copies of this text dated back from the second century. Just within a hundred years of when they actually existed and when Luke actually wrote it. We have text on paper that said this was on a page before it was fulfilled. So to say that maybe someone came after they saw the impact of Jesus on the earth and then they wrote it and they wrote in all of these things. No, it was not fulfilled at all in the, in the second century A.D. It was prophesied in a place and in a context that would seem like it was crazy. And you know you and I have the benefit of looking down the corridors of 2,000 years and the effect and the teaching of Christ, and we get to see his impact on the world. And the only explanation for Christ's impact on the world is that he is who he says he is, that he is the Son of God. There's no other explanation for the kind of impact this man has had on the earth. Simeon prophesied it. It has come to be. You and I get to see the fulfillment and we're looking at it even right now in this room with you and me. Consider the writing or the sermon of Dr. James Allen Francis. Can I read something very powerful to you as we enter into Christmas and we sink our hearts deep into this thought of this man that was born 2,000 years ago? He said this, Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, a child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village, Nazareth. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, his coat. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen long centuries have come and gone. And today he is the centerpiece of the human race and leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. Amen. How do you explain that kind of impact, a third of the earth says Jesus is Lord. How does that person who lived that kind of life have that kind of impact? It's only supernatural. It's only supernatural. 
He is God's son. He was God in the flesh. Born that men may no, no more may die. And these prophecies have been proven true. Let me ask you this question tonight as we close. What would be your one thing? What would be your one thing? The thing that would happen in your life that you would say, okay, that's happened and I can die now. You know, it's not as I heard young girls say, I touched Harry Styles. I can die now. What is that one thing? If you had one thing, you know, I want to get that dream job, become a millionaire, want to get married, see my grandkids, see my great grandkids, hit the lottery. When would you be able to say with Simeon, I can depart in peace. What would that thing be? If I could just blank, then I feel as though my life would have found its core meaning and purpose, and I would be satisfied and I could go in peace. What would be that thing? I know it sounds a little morbid for Christmas, okay? But it's Simeon, okay? But what would that thing be? You know the right answer to that question? The same answer Simeon had. You were created for Jesus. To know him, to experience his love, and to enjoy him forever. If you have him, you can say, I can die in peace. He provides that to every human heart. See him, trust him, love him, rise with him. Oppose him, reject him, and fall because of him, and gain nothing. He is the reason for it all. In a relationship with him, he does have a purpose for your life. He brought you into being to fulfill his purpose for you. If you don't know Jesus, take time to consider him tonight, this Christmas. Just think about him. Think about it. And try to do it as objectively as you possibly can. Try to consider for me in just a sec for just a second a world without God. A world where there is no such thing as morality. Everything that is done in that world, according to that worldview, is right. There is no right and wrong. There's no such thing as justice. Because there's no right and wrong, there's no righting wrongs. There's also no such thing as meaning or purpose or value of any sort. Everything is as valuable as everything else and therefore there's no value. There's no such thing as equality. If we're quick to remove God as a country... We have also said we are removing equality. It is a Judeo-Christian doctrine only. When there is no God, there is no such thing as equality. There's no such thing as human rights. Go ahead and throw them in the trash. Nietzsche himself 
even a little excited that he killed God, that they killed God or removed God from the equation of society, even said, we killed him, but what do we have but a hell left? If those things are ultimately gone, what kind of world is left? It's a world of chaos. How do you get things done in a world of chaos? Power. Power rules the day. Power only is the thing that rules the day in a world without God. Is that a better world? Is that progress? If there's any inner compulsion in your heart that says it can't be, seek Jesus. Just seek Jesus. Would you do that for me tonight if you don't know him? Seek Jesus. It just so happens that the societies that have aligned with his teachings are the most prosperous, powerful, peaceful nations on earth. It just so happens that that's the case. Maybe, maybe the Christian worldview is more in line with reality than the atheistic worldview. Because it plays out in what kind of world it creates. It's a question I want you to ponder tonight. And I'm asking you to let this start you at least thinking and pursuing. If there's any inclination in your heart that says, I get that, seek Jesus. You can come to Bannockburn. We will let you seek here. We want you to keep listening. We want you to pursue Christ. We know he's the answer. He is the all-encompassing beauty of everything on the earth. Everything is found in him, and we know it to be true. But we want you to seek here. We want you to find a place where you can seek. So I'm asking you to do that tonight. Give me that Christmas present. I would love to see you more often. And come and seek and find him. Amen. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And everything Simeon said about him played out perfectly. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. And Lord, we just gather here for just a moment. And we offer our hearts in worship. And Lord, we know a, a heart of worship and thanks is also a happy heart. And we want our hearts happy at Christmas. And so as we gather with family, Lord, as we eat good food, as we sing songs, as we celebrate, tell stories, laugh, make our hearts happy, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that we would rejoice because Jesus has come. And in him we have hope eternal and joy in this life. Meaning, purpose, morality, justice, equality. All of those things flow from you. So we're grateful and we're thankful. And we're mindful of just what took place with that baby in that manger 2,000 years ago. Bless this time. Bless our singing. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, the guys are going to start handing out the candles. And uh, I want to give you some instructions. But tonight, what I, really what I want you to do is, you ever been to a concert? 
Back in the day, folks, they would light a lighter during a song, right? Y'all remember the lighters? There's no more lighters anymore. Did y'all notice that? They're all gone. Now we do smartphone lights. And uh, that's a shame. <laughs> we're going to do candles, like real fire candles tonight. And uh, we're going to sing in just a moment. But let me, let me warn you, you know, if your candle is lit and you tilt it over, what's going to happen if you tilt it over to light the candle next to you? What's going to happen? You're going to burn the fool out of the person next to you with some hot wax all over their hand, okay? So take the one that's not lit, the person leans over to the one not lit and lights theirs, okay? And then they hold theirs up and down and the one not lit next to them, so on and so on and so on. And we're going to come, our priest team's going to come out. Y'all can go ahead and come on out. And they're going to lead us in a song, Silent Night. Just a second. And uh, staff, if you guys want to come on up and join us on the platform, you guys can come on uh, and their family, the Bensons. Tammy, you guys, y'all come on up. And uh, it's Terry. Amy. The whole family, come on. Thank you, sir. All right. going to sing it? You want me to sing it? Stand with us.
going to sing that first verse one more time. We lift our voices in worship. Two, three. Happy birthday, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Can we give the Lord a big round of applause after you? Or kind of with a, yeah, I know, maybe a woo instead of applause, yes. Hey, we thank you guys for coming out and worshiping with us tonight. We wish you a merry, merry Christmas. And on your way out, parents, our kids team has prepared this incredible, awesome, happy birthday, Jesus candle an incredible explanation on what that means, some fun kids things. And check this out. In the lobby, we have cookies for you. And someone just called and told me that it's snowing outside. I know. It's snowing on Christmas Eve. Can you believe it? So y'all see that right outside. We love you, and we hope to see you not tomorrow, but next Sunday. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.